Okay, I have a little exercise to start us off this morning. Don't worry, no push-ups, no nothing like that. It's a fun exercise, okay? Uh, somebody just said amen. And so the exercise is simply, hey, yeah, you got it. So the exercise is simple. Just repeat after me. You're not going to say anything bad, promise, okay? Just repeat after me. Ready? Okay, yeah, yeah, there we go, okay? That was your practice swing. Just repeat after me. No. No, no, way. no way. Never ever. Never, no. Okay, so how'd that feel? Was it kind of nice to say no? Was it kind of nice? Also to look at there you go. To look at the pastor and say no, that's kind of nice cuz you know, we we're not accustomed to hearing that, really. It's 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 nice to say no sometimes. It kind of feels nice to say no, to tell someone no, to tell a person no. And I think some of us really struggle to say no. Maybe even right now, you're like, oh, I can't believe I just shouted no. You know, like, like you're, you're kind of like struck by it. And so I want to talk about the idea of like saying no today, because I think a lot of us, we say yes to a lot of things that we don't need to say yes to. Or, or maybe I think you suffer from chronic okay syndrome. We have a lot going on, and even though we should say no, we say okay. We don't say yes, but we say okay instead, which isn't a yes, but okay, it is what it is. Like when you think about it, that makes no sense. It's like a tired yes when you say okay. Hey, could you take the dog for a walk later today? <sighs> okay. Hey, hun, could you do the dishes while I okay. It's like a tired yes. Hey, you want to go to my mother's house this weekend? Eyes roll back. Okay. You know, okay is like this universal tired yes, but it's healthy. Listen, it is healthy for you to say no. It is good for your mental and emotional health to even set boundaries at times. But I want to talk again about saying no, because in the life of Jesus, he said no quite often. Uh, for example, in Matthew 12, his brothers and his mother are asking him to come uh, to, to, where he, uh, to where they are. They're saying, hey, come here, we need you. They were asking to speak to him in the middle of his teaching. And he said, no. I'm going to remember that for later, mom. And so uh, we can say no. In John 11, one of his friends, Lazarus, was sick. He was asked to come to Bethany to help. But Jesus said, No. And there are plenty of instances where Jesus didn't directly say no, but simply did something else and made it clear that's not what he's doing. He's actually going to do his father's will. So here is the big idea. If you are the note taker or anything like that, take a picture of this slide. Here's the big idea. The life of Jesus is an example that we have to say no to certain things. So we are free to say yes to better things. Ask yourself, as followers of Jesus, should our aim really be constant yeses to any and everything so that we don't disappoint people? Or could it be that God really desires better things for us? If you remember two weeks ago in this series, Jesus lovingly corrected Martha because she didn't, and I quote, choose what was better like Mary did. Was Martha in sin as she prepared the meal? I, I don't think so. 
but Martha was guilty of not choosing what was better. So we need to say no to certain things, so we will be free to say yes to better things. It actually reminds me of something that uh, Pastor Jacob says around the church offices quite a bit. He says the enemy of great is good enough. The enemy of great is good enough. And I think it's true because we talk ourselves into this. Well, I'm a good enough parent. The house is in good enough shape. Our marriage is good enough. Life is good enough. But it's not great. And that's an important aside, but it relates to this idea that to say no to certain things frees us to say yes to better things. And, and this idea is imperative in the kingdom of God, too. Learning to say no can save you from burnout, from placing your identity in what other people think about you, and it can free your mind from the expectations of others because you only have so much room. So go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. And as you turn there, I got a little something to, to show you. As you turn there, um, or if you look it up on your, on your phone, we'll also have it on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. But let me, uh, let me make some room here. I don't think we can have a series called Meals with Jesus if we don't actually show what some meals in our homes kind of look like. Now, for some of us, we recognize this end of the table very, very well. I like this, this end of the table, you know? It, it gets me what I need, you know, to, to get going. It makes me feel loved, so this is good. And um, yeah, this is a living example that if you pray the right prayers, God answers them, even on a Sunday. Um, but then down here, some of you got it, down here, obviously, we have some different choices uh, down on this end. And I, I show this, one, because I think this is funny, but two, because think of your life for just a moment. Your life only has so much room in it. And so if we're not intentional, right, if we are always grabbing what's easy, just, just kind of reaching for what is, is in front of us, then we will fill up our life with certain things, and then we won't have room for better things. I, I get so conflicted at family reunions and potlucks because I know what I should do, and yet I don't do it. I'm like the Apostle Paul, right? Um, and so I know what I should do. I know what I ought to do, but I don't do them. And so uh, this, this plate, if you will, your, your, your life, your heart, your mind, your soul only has so much room. And saying no is, is a really, really important aspect of living life. Because if you are looking to grow with God, you need to say no to certain things. If you're looking to get into better shape, you need to learn to say no to certain things, even if their app and their rewards app is so good and it makes you feel like you're making good decisions. You're not always making the best decisions. You just only have so much room, okay? Now, let's, let's put this on, on your life for a second. You only have so much time in a day. You only have so much room in your life and if you're not intentional, if you're not saying no to, the, to certain things and you can't say yes to better things, you, you get the idea, right? So if you want to have maybe someone over for dinner, like we've talked about in this series, hey, you should have people over for dinner, you're going to have to say no to other things 
to do great things, to see God move in your life, you will have to say no sometimes. And here we have yet another powerful example of Jesus doing this at a meal. We'll come back to this table in just a bit, uh, but I want to set the scene up for you in John 13, what is commonly called the Last Supper. I know, if I were a good preacher, I'd make this one next week because it's the last one, but that's not what we're doing, okay? John chapter 13, picking up in verse 1. Uh, read with me. Uh, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Verse 4, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So there is a lot to unpack in this, but just so we are all on the same page, this scene comes near the culmination of Jesus' three-year ministry, three years of hard work and diligent work, and here they are. So here, in my mind, is where Jesus gives his Braveheart speech, right? Come on. I've been putting this in you for like, for like three years, teaching you all about this for three years. It is time to rally everyone so no one runs away. That's, that's, that's important. And everyone knows the plan of attack. That's what comes to my mind when I think of one last rally, one last meal. I think that's maybe how some of you would also think. But Jesus is not preparing to fight the way you and I would fight. While, again, we may prepare our disciples for an earthly fight and enemy bloodshed, Jesus does something else. He does something else entirely and actually embraces his own bloodshed that is to come. So an important question arises in the text, comes to us right now. The question that, that comes to mind is what's the last thing Jesus wants his disciples to remember? If this is really the end, this has to matter. This must be important. He's about to be betrayed and executed. What does he want his disciples to remember? Well, verse 4, he got up from the meal. He prepared the water basin, and he began to wash their feet. Jesus, if you will, is saying no to the many ways we might think he should handle this last supper. And it may not be obvious from this scene, but Jesus is saying no to serving himself. And that is profoundly difficult because Jesus is the embodiment of denying his own flesh to embrace the will of his father. And so in washing the feet of his disciples at this crucial moment, where I would be ready to hear an encouraging and uplifting speech. This final meal with friends, Jesus is essentially saying no to glory, power, and position. And when you think about it, glory, power, and position, those are the things we admire most in culture. 
Those are the things that we, that we see a successful person pine for and aim for. We want someone else to tell us how to be great, how to get glory, how to get power, and eventually position ourselves as the main character. And this is no doubt tempting to Jesus, but this also isn't the first time he's been tempted either. After being baptized, he went into the desert to fast for 40 days. And during that time, Satan appeared to him and three times tried to tempt him. And so Jesus knows what temptation is like. And he has said no. And so in washing the feet of his disciples, again, in this pivotal moment, a moment that he could use for his own benefit, Jesus says no to glory, power, in position. Jesus, who is the Son of God, He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. He is the Savior of the world. But at that, at that table, that night, at the Last Supper, Jesus says no to glory, power, and position. But He says yes to humility, service, and sacrifice. Because to wash nasty feet he had to get down on his knees, and one by one, he washed the feet of these disciples. His, his kneeling was another way of saying no to things that we say that we admire most in a president or a CEO. But Jesus choosing to say no to those things is not surprising because he's turned things down before. When you think about this, Jesus, he left the presence of his father, and he came to earth in the first place. Jesus, then and there, was saying no to authority and power and dominion. Like we quoted uh, Philippians 2 last week, uh, the, the author writes that Jesus, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality to be something used for his own advantage. What? Jesus! That's, that's not how you use those powers. I've seen the Marvel movies. Like You're supposed to flex that muscle at, at key points. But that's not at all what he is about. That's not at all what he's doing. That's not who he is. Something that is easy to forget is that when Jesus came to earth, he was born to poor parents. And I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm twisted in my mind, but part of me is kind of like, but Jesus, you know, if you were born to, I don't know, an affluent, wealthy family, couldn't you have got your message out like earlier, sooner, better? Like, like couldn't you have like done more with like more earlier? But no, that wasn't the plan. That's not what God is doing. That's not what Jesus is doing. And so Jesus saying no to power was a yes to service. Uh, back to John 13, Jesus says no to Peter's ridiculous request. Verse 6, uh, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, Peter knew who Jesus was, so he could not fathom that the king of kings would kneel down to the ground to wash his feet. I, I, I really appreciate Peter's perspective because I think that's the perspective a lot of us would have. A king does not kneel to his servants. Why would you do that? The position of a king does not serve. That is backwards. And this is, again, exactly why I love Peter. 
We learn so much about Peter throughout the Gospels, and he's a guy with great passion. He leaps out of a boat to walk on water with Jesus without even thinking about it, really. He just asks, and he does it. Uh, He takes a sword, and he cuts the ear off of a high priest's servant in Gethsemane. He doesn't even really think about it. He just does it. He's a man of action. He's a man of passion. Peter was someone who would act first and think later. Some of you know people like that. Some of you are people like that. And you all drive me crazy. You really do. I mean, when, when I think about the famous foot race on Easter Sunday, John may have beat him there, but Peter was the first one in the tomb. I really do. I love Peter. I love reading about Peter. But if Peter were a friend of mine today, I would hate this guy. Because again, he just, he doesn't think first. And I, if anything, will overthink my options but not Peter, baby. That's not what he does. So without thinking about what's going on uh, and what Jesus means here at the dinner table, Peter responds, and it's kind of funny to me. Verse nine. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. You can almost like kind of like, Jesus is like, man, you are not getting this. Verse 10, Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. Kind of an ominous statement there about Judas. So essentially, you get Peter. No, no, no. I don't need to bathe you. This is symbolic. And so at this meal, Jesus yet again says no to power and glory, so he can say yes to the will of his Father. Jesus said no, if you will, because God said no. Is that something that we talk about a lot, that God sometimes says no? Because I remember growing up, and I would hear this old country song uh, all the time. Sorry, I shouldn't say old. (laughs) Now it's old, but growing up, I, I heard this country song. It was by Garth Brooks. It was called Unanswered Prayers. And I'm not going to do a Garth Brooks impression. I'm not that guy. I know my limits. I gave you this. That's all I can do, okay? Uh, but in it, he, he has this line, like, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, right? And he talks about how he used to pray all these prayers to be with this girl, to do this thing, and God didn't answer his prayer. But even as a kid, as a kid, I thought, doesn't that mean God just said no? Is that an unanswered prayer, or did God actually say no? And sometimes... God does say no. Maybe you have experienced that for yourself. So the question is, why? Why would God say no? He is, he's loving. Doesn't he want what's best for us? Of course. He knows what leads us to flourishing, and he knows what leads us to our own destruction. I mean, just to put it personally, I love saying yes to my kids. It is, it is great to see them light up in uh, excitement. And also when I'm tired, it's, it's just a lifeline, you know, like, yes, you can have that. Yes, more video games. Uh, it's, just, it's just great to say yes to them and see them light up. Uh, on, on, on a side note, they're actually trying to earn a yes day later this summer. Um, if you don't know what a yes day is, it is an all-day event where we parents literally say yes to everything. We cannot say no to anything. Uh, there are agreed-upon boundaries I want to say that first, but they are trying to earn a yes day. So now 
when you think about it, would it be loving for my wife or I to give our children a yes day every day? Of course not. That's called irresponsible, okay? Certain people get phone calls and the kids go somewhere else if that happens, okay? So no, we tell our kids no. No, I'm sorry, kids, you can't get Nintendo Switch time during the school week. Of course, now it's summertime, so be praying for us. But no, kids, you know, you can't get screen time uh, uh, in the morning or first thing in the morning. You can't have screen time during school weeks. Uh, No, kids, you you can't just have candy every single day. You don't need candy every single day. Uh, No, kids, you don't need the sprinkler turned on outside. It's 15 degrees. Uh, Kids, no, you can't ride the dog like a horse. These are all no's I've personally given my kids in the last couple of months, just so you know. Uh, And I say no because it wouldn't lead them to their flourishing, okay? It wouldn't lead them toward the values that we want to instill in them. So by example, Jesus says no to the things that we've mentioned, and he did this over and over and over throughout his ministry. I mean, you don't really finish your life sinless without saying no at least a time or two, let's be honest. But God says no to us as well, and that is a good thing. It is for our benefit. And Jesus, again, he says no to other people. He says no to gaining power and glory, like we've said. But he even looked Satan in the eye, if you will, and said no to that sort of power and that sort of authority. Now, is that easy? I know some of us are like, well, yeah, it's Jesus. And then maybe some of us are like, well, he's human. And if he was really tempted in every way, like it says in the New Testament, then he was fully human. And the fact that he, st- he said no, that's, that, that must have been difficult. That must have been hard. He is sinless, but he was tempted. And he said no. And so have you heard this phrase, like choose your hard? It's, it's kind of this phrase out there uh, that, that both options are hard. So just choose. Let's relate this to this for a moment. Uh, pleasing everyone is hard. Following your calling is hard. So choose your hard. Which one are you going to choose? I know some people will support you, but some very, very important people won't. What you believe is your calling from God. So are you going to just please everybody else just because, well, I wouldn't rock the boat. I would do this. That's hard. Or you could completely embrace the calling you believe God has laid on your heart and in your life. That's hard, so choose. You know what else is hard? Embracing sin is hard. It is hard to embrace sin. In the moment, it's, it's nice. It may feel nice. It may feel relaxing. In the moment, embracing sin, though, it, it is hard because it, it leads us places that we ultimately don't want to go. Or afterward, we're just full of regret. We're, we're just full of things. But you know what else is hard? Spiritual discipline. That stuff is really hard. So choose. Choose your hard. Which, which one are you going to go with here? Uh, here's one that, that is difficult for a lot of us. Silent suffering is hard. Asking for help is hard. I think some of us, we, we, we go through things personally. We walk through things and we don't want others to know. Listen, suffering and silence is hard. 
but so is asking for help. And which one really, if we're being honest, if you're part of a, a local body of believers, right? What are we really called to do? I think we're called to lift each other's burdens. I think we're called to, 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 to voice when we need help. Silent suffering, hey, it's hard. Asking for help is hard. So which one are you going to pick? Uh, last one, indecision is hard. Trusting God is hard. And I'm not saying that everything, everything requires a big God decision. You know, like, Lord, do I get the 2% milk or the whole milk? Like, okay, no, don't, okay, not that. But just indecision about life, indecision about marriage, indecision about children, indecision about faith, about doubt, about whatever. Indecision is hard. And sometimes we, we think it's going to be easier if we just stay there. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with my faith. I'm struggling in these other ways. I'm, I'm really, it's, it's really hard right now. I don't know what to do. Indecision is hard. But so is trusting God. I mean, last week, the, the sermon, if you will, we, we built the case that the way of Jesus could be summed up in one word. It's sacrifice. When you think of sacrifice, what part of sacrifice is supposed to be easy? It's called sacrifice for crying out loud. I think Jesus, I think following Jesus is equally one of the most difficult things I could do with my life. And yet, it's the most soul-satisfying, peace-in-a-storm sort of decisions, too. So choose your heart. Because it's hard to embrace everything people want you to be or to become or to believe. It is hard living in the radical love of Jesus, too. So what are you going to choose? I think Jesus could, looking at at two different paths. There's power and influence and glory. Or there's humility, service, sacrifice, what I would call the way of love. And Jesus made that choice. Now, when, when you think about it, it can be tempting to think like, well, maybe I can embrace a little bit of, of this and, and more of this, or, or maybe I could, you know, do like one thing of this, and the rest is this. Um, listen, I, I understand that temptation. Okay, this is, this is the, the easy illustration, but let's talk about your spiritual life for a moment. It is, it is easy to think like, well, I can do this. I can embrace this area of life. I can embrace this sin. I can embrace this thing. But as long as I make up for it over here, I'll be okay. I'll be all right. There, if, I'm, if I can be really honest with you, there's no room for a double life. It, 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 can, it can work for a minute, okay? I think it could work for a minute for you. But we'll get deceived into thinking that that's how we can now live our life and that we can satisfy both sides. Again, listen, I love, I love fried chicken. I love waffle fries. I do. Uh, I love, I love uh, Popeye's biscuits and uh, their their better chicken sandwich. Sorry, don't cast me down here. Uh, I, I love those things. But you know, I do. I love fresh fruit. I love broccoli. I love those things. But there's only so much room, right? There's only so much room. And, and, and to try to satisfy both aspects, there's just not room for it. And so to pursue and satisfy your flesh 
and the calling God has for you, that's not going to work. That's not how life works because there's no way to live your way and God's way. It's one way or the other. So we're back to the question, back to the statement. So choose your heart. Jesus says something that is equally brilliant and shockingly simple. Matthew 5, 37, Jesus says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more comes from the evil one. Now, the context here is taking oaths and the importance of clarity. It's very, very important. May your yes be yes and your no be no. Now, that doesn't mean that this is easy, but it is so simple. Again, being from Eastern Kentucky myself, we have a phrase, when someone won't just spit it out, when someone won't just say yes or no, we call that hem-hawing around. That's what we say. You gonna hem-haw around all day? Spit it out. I couldn't find the original Greek about that. Sorry. Sorry, Brian. Couldn't find that. But it's, it's the idea that the person won't say yes and they won't say no. They just kind of beat around the bush. So they hem haw around. Someone look up the origins because that's ridiculous, but I love it. So let your yes be yes and your no be no. Speak clearly. Speak with clarity. Or maybe, maybe, maybe this is important to you too. Maybe you already have made plans and you told someone yes, but something more attractive comes along. And now you're trying to find a way to say yes to the new thing and say no to the first thing, whatever it is, okay? We all, I think, are tempted in this way, right? You made plans when you were in a good mood on a Friday, and now it's Wednesday, and it's tougher to, to, to try to honor that word. I, I get it, I get it. Um, but I just want to be blunt. That's an issue of integrity. We are to honor our word. May your yes be yes. And when you say no, you must mean no. Again, this is shockingly simple, but it is not easy. And so this leads me to something, again, very simple. Um, every, every yes is actually a no. Because when you say yes to this, you're saying no to that. Okay, the opposite is also true. Every no is actually a yes. And so we are to be wise with our yeses and our nos. Because if we say yes to everything, then we risk living a busy life that doesn't have room for God's calling. And if we say no to everything, then we risk never being used by God to fulfill a calling he has uniquely given you. Now, the most important yes, the most important yes of your life is yes to Jesus. And that means that we say no to things that are contrary to the way of Jesus. To say yes to Jesus means we say no to hate and prejudice to say yes to Jesus means that we say no to having our way all the time. We say no to division and secrecy. We say no to pride and our need to be right all the time. And in saying no, we say yes to grace. We say yes to mercy. We say yes to unity. And we say yes to the way of love, to the way of Jesus. Jesus at this 
final supper, he says no to plenty of things, but he says yes to the most important things. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be blessed if you do them. That if, that belongs totally, solely to you. So what are you going to do with that if? If you forgive that person, I believe you will find freedom. And you will say no to bitterness. If you choose to say yes and serve, I believe you will find meaning and you will say no to self-importance. If you say yes to give, you will find mercy and you will say no to greed. If you say yes to love, you will find faith, hope, and you will find a savior who is King Jesus, the King who serves and gives and sacrifices and forgives and wants to lead you in the same way, which is his way. I simply want you to flourish and grow with God, but we must take seriously the idea of saying no to certain things. So that way we are free to say yes to better things. Because yes, it takes sacrifice. Yes, it is hard living in community together, loving one another, serving one another, sharing the burdens together is the way of Jesus. And I pray that you would say yes to his kingdom today and tomorrow and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, because some days are just harder than others. But we say yes over and over and over. And so if you're the person that just appreciates a very simple outline of, of what this looks like, an outline of what should take priority, what reflects the kingdom of God, I've got one for you. From Matthew chapter six, picking up in verse nine, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, if, if you grew up in church, you may have memorized this as a kid, and I did. And, and something that the King James actually includes is not elsewhere in other translations. And so for me, I remembered it in that old Shakespearean language, right? And, and, and so I come to the end of this, I'm like, wait, we're missing part of it. Because the end of the King James says this, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Isn't that interesting? This whole time we've been talking, about how Jesus, he said no 
to an earthly kingdom. He said no to power. He said no to glory. And here he is instructing us that no, this isn't about me and mine and me getting my kingdom and my power and my glory, but this is about God. The way of Jesus is about God's kingdom and God's power and God's glory. That is what this is about. And that is what saying no to certain things to embrace uh, better things is all about. That's what I'm saying. That's why we should say no to me and mine. Say no to myself. Because saying no to myself is a humble yes to God and his kingdom. And so I just want to encourage you to practice saying no to good things so you can say yes to better things, to godly things this week.